Postscript. My name is Dave. I'm the worship pastor at Compass Point, and uh, this morning with me is Pastor Chris Heiss. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, Dave. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. I'm really glad that we can have this conversation, um, hear a little bit about this new series that uh, you're going to be walking us through called Reentry. Um, do you want to give us just a little recap from Sunday? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm really excited about the series too, and I think it's very timely. Uh, you know, we have this hopefulness that's building because things are starting to open and, you know, we're seeing maybe um, an end in sight to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think a yeah. good question to be asking ourselves is, uh, you know, what is post-pandemic life going to look like? Um, I think for a lot of us, we've been so focused on the trauma of what's been happening over this last year and a half that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're not thinking about how tough it might be to actually go into some type of new normal. And so in my series, you know, I was calling that a next normal. It's an opportunity to take all the things we've learned and, and head into this somewhat normal period, but it's really not the same normal that we knew. So a next normal. So, yeah, so we talked about that on Sunday. I kicked mm-hmm. off uh, this first message talking about the idea of re- re-entry. And so we looked at uh, space travel, which is pretty fascinating stuff. And uh, how when you're returning to Earth, uh, you know, in a spacecraft, you've been out on an exploration of some kind. There's very precise uh, reentry corridor. Um, and, uh, you know, if you come in, you know, too fast, then you're going to burn up. If you come in too slow, you're going to bounce right off the Earth's atmosphere. And so we kind of use that yeah. as a bit of an illustration to talk about our lives and, you know, all of these weird and wacky things about returning to kind of a somewhat normal life mm-hmm. and, how, and how maybe we have that same issue. You know, if we come in too hot... Uh, it, it might might be difficult for us, but if we are fearful and come in too slow and kind of resist, then that also could be a problem. So just thinking about that, and I think it's been a, a helpful conversation uh, starter for us. Yeah, no, I I definitely um, I resonated with that. Even as I'm now starting to, you know, even we're we're meeting in in person this Sunday. You have to sign up if you want to come. It's still limited, but I'm starting to think through. Okay, we're getting we're we're getting back, but it's not really back. It's kind of new and like. You know, I, I've been thinking, oh, I'm just so looking forward to getting out of this season. And, and it's kind of hit me this last week. Actually, this next season isn't necessarily going to be easier. Uh, it's also going to require some intentionality for me. And then you, you took us down this, this journey. You talked a lot about hurry. Uh, you drew a bit from John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and some others. Um, and I, this is a book I read, uh, before the pandemic, I think or maybe just as it was starting, which is a great book. But I mean, he talks about hurry as a form of violence to this on the soul. Um, you talked about, I think Dallas Willard, the quote that, that hurry is, um, the number one yeah, thing. The great, that, the great enemy yeah. of the spiritual life in our day. Yeah. Yeah. The great yeah. enemy of the spiritual light, which is, which is crazy. And, and I was just going through my, my quotes from the John Mark Comer book and he asks a question to the reader, you know, but, but could it be with, with a few set exceptions that we're the ones who are absent and not God, which, you know, that just, that cuts like a knife, right? Um, as I sit here on zoom, holding my phone, reading notes, right? Maybe we are distracted. Maybe we are too hurried. So, so why, um, why was hurry the main thing? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, if I was honest, you know, as I started to think through this series and prepare, I'm not sure that I originally thought that I was going to be preaching about hurry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of things, you know, in terms of reentry that are going to be difficult for us. You know, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to relationally re-engage with people? Um, but I've been digging a lot into just reading about kind of the inner life, um, the care of the soul over this last bit of time and realizing that that's going to be a big part of 
this reentry um, and um, the richness of our relationships with people, but also with God. Mm. And so as I started to, to, to look into that, you know, I, I, uh, I stumbled on uh, John Mark Comer's great book that you mentioned and just some other resources there that really began to point out this issue of hurry. And I started to realize that, you know, part of what we're going to be dealing with as we go back into quote unquote normal life is something that we have really carried with us, um, yeah. this idea of hurry. And, you know, I talked about this in the message, but I think there really is a sense that, you know, for some of us, we feel like life has kind of been paused. Like, I don't know about you, Dave, but yeah. I, I have a, a, a time and then I have COVID time. And when someone asks me, oh, well, when did you first meet that person? I say, oh, well, I think it was about a year ago. And then all of a sudden I stop and I'm like, wait a second. It was actually a year ago plus a year and a half ago because somehow COVID time doesn't count. And so I don't know if anyone listening has that experience, but I think there's a sense where we feel like we've been paused, but somehow the world has kept going and kept spinning and kept speeding up. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things that have happened in this last year and a half. A lot of, uh, a lot of sectors, a lot of different industry have actually gone faster. And I think uh, technology in the digital world, particularly um, that has happened. And so we're going to be kind of getting back on <laughs> the planet, you know, at the end of uh, the pandemic. And I think things are just sped up increasingly. So, and so hurry has a real negative consequence for, our physical lives, our emotional lives, our, our mental health, and certainly our spiritual lives. And so it, I think it's a really important topic for us to be thinking about as we head back into this new or this next normal. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I mean, so much of <laughs> people ask me, well, how's stuff been during the pandemic? And first of all, I'm with you. I can't, I can't remember if it was a decade ago or last week with a lot of things. Um, and then, you know, my life, well, I've, I've been... <laughs> Man, even this morning, I've been head deep in technology, figuring out new things and new ways of doing things and, and just innovate, 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 innovate. And it's not, it's not like we're going to get to the end of this and we can go back, right? There's, there's a sense in which we're living in a world where remote work is a reality, where Zoom meetings are a reality, where, um, audio and video and, and setting these things up is just, it's part of what we do. And that's just, you know, a snippet of what's going on. But yeah, you um, know, I mean, I mean uh, yeah. it was interesting, you know, I heard a, a therapist who was commenting on this idea a little bit, you know, everyone wants to live a healthy and rich life, a healthy and rich existence. Sure. But, but his comment was that, you know, most people are too busy to lead mm. an emotionally healthy and a spiritually rich life. Um, and so, I mean, let that sink in for a second, you know, that it's actually our busyness, our, our hurried approach to life that is, you know, zapping us of our emotional health and, you know, spiritual vitality. Um, yeah. And if that's true, then we have to kind of sit in that tension and talk about what we can do to change that. So how do you, um, how do you put this, this picture of like hurry, which I think, you know, I, I hear it and it resonates deeply with me and I'm like, yes, I want to be less hurried. And then I spent my weekend doing stuff around the house and tearing down decks and trying to solve problems and dealing with my kids and, and, and generally being busy, even though I was trying to be intentional and Sabbath and slow down. And, and, you know, I, I met over and over with these choices. Do I want, um, do I want to pay someone to do something? Do I want to figure out how to do it myself? And there's all like, it just feels like I, I need to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, how do we, how do we put a pause on that? How do we like, even how, how have you personally found, how do you manage this? How do you, how do you become less hurried when it feels like, like there's just so many pressures in the world we're in? Um, we've got to pay our mortgages. We've got to feed our kids. We've got to do our jobs. Um, We've got to take people places. How how do you how do you begin the process of scaling that back without feeling like you're disengaging with family or society or or you know what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say first of all, it's really hard. Uh, you know, it's a 
it's a cultural uh, issue that's going on all around us. I said on Sunday, this is the stew that we kind of sit in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 yeah. days a year. And uh, so there's a lot of pressure to live in this kind of hurried uh, approach. Um, you know, John Orberg, you know, he said that, you know, you know, taking a, or making a commitment to live less hurried is kind of like taking a vow of poverty, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's something that's, you know, looked at strangely. Um, it doesn't feel easy or normal and there's a lot of resistance. So I think first of all, you have to realize the battle that we're in. I mean, hmm. it's not something that's just going to change on its own. It's not something that we're going to be able to change overnight. Um, I think it's really about making a few small commitments that allow us to, uh, work towards, you know, living in a less hurried way. So, I mean, for me, practically, uh, the number one by far thing that helps with this is Sabbath. There is just no question in my mind. Um, so, you know, our, you know, myself, our family, you know, we take one day every week, uh, full day and try to, um, you know, totally kind of shift our activities and our thinking that day so that we're not doing work. Um, at least not the normal kind of work that we're doing for our jobs on that day. And sure. that gives us a chance to have a slower pace, to engage in things that bring us joy, um, to recognize that, you know, God's in charge. I'm not in charge. There's a whole releasing of responsibility and pressure. And it's, it's a discipline or a practice too. It's not something that we're getting perfectly right or that, you know, we decided one day we're going to do this and it works great. And this has been over a series of, of decades really. Um, so I think that is something that a lot of people are missing um, is, you know, investigating what that might look like for them. I know Dave, you and your family, you're engaging in some similar things that might yeah. for you. Well, we, we, yeah, I mean, we, we try Sabbath. Um, uh, yeah, again, I, I say we try this, this weekend for me personally, wasn't, wasn't great. It's funny because, because this is what I do for a job. You know, I, I, organize services and I spend a lot of time on my computer emailing people and organizing stuff and chatting and editing audio and video and what what have you um sometimes I feel like I can get to the the weekend the, the sabbath and we we as a family try to sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night um and sometimes I enjoy working with my hands um but sometimes that becomes the the list of projects around the house um and it's funny cuz I'm I I'm quick to be like oh no no it's fine it's a different kind of work so it's like I can do this on Sabbath. And then I stop and I realize like, I'm literally like sweating and exhausted. And I'm like, this is also work. And I kind of have to like internally search myself and figure out when to stop and when to start. And I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, this is the unique thing about these practices is that they're not, they're not always hard and fast rules. What I want is like a system. Can you build me a system, Chris? Can you give it to me? Can you give it to the whole church? And, and what, what this is, is the relationship, right? I'm being invited into relationship with God and I'll, I'll, trying to find ways to be present to God because I know he's present to me. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it requires man, so much work. I think, you know, that's the, that's the dangerous thing. I think like I mentioned Sabbath as a, as a practice, John Mark Homer talks about counter practices. So, you know, yeah. you know, engaging in regular practices that, that kind of battle against the hurried life. And so mm. there's something, something you said for that. I think we need to do that, but I think we, we also sometimes get into this, um, a bad line of thinking that it's all about kind of a task that we can do that somehow will solve our problem. And, and that's not the case, right? For each person, there's really, um, an opportunity, I guess, to, to, to ask God, you know, and to, um, through lived experience, begin to understand, you know, what practices are going to be helpful and effective and to what level. Um, cause I think, you know, Sabbath might look totally different for one person than another. And mm-hmm. when we talk about hurry, we're not talking about, you know, not being productive, like, you know, the opposite of productivity or something like that is good. You know, I think 
uh, we want people to still feel productive. If you sweat, you work hard, and it's a job well done. You know, that can be a yeah. really, really good thing. I, Absolutely. I think I think what we're talking about is is living at a speed in which we can receive God's love well, and then we can give God's love well. Um, you know, there's a Japanese uh, theologian named Kasuke Koyama, and yeah. he has written just a little book, um, and it's called I think it's called Three Mile an Hour God, and you know that the, the that's the speed of walking. And he talks about, you know, just that the, there's a certain speed that God has and it's a speed of compassion. It's a speed of love. And he says that that speed is the Lord of all other speeds. And I just, I mm-hmm. love that little, that little line from his book. Um, it's the speed of love. And that is so different from our technological speed yeah. that we live at right now that it's jarring. Like it's just not something that we're used to. And so I think, you know, even if, you know, you're a person who, you know, you're not engaging in a lot of counter practices and you don't know how to, how to do that. I think there's also a sense where, you know, you can start really, really small with this. Um, mm. Like, you know, the secular world calls it mindfulness. I would probably call it um, Christian Christian contemplation or something like that. But there's an opportunity yeah. to be practicing the presence of God. Yeah. Or... Yeah. There's an opportunity to be very mindful that God is present um, mm-hmm. all around us. And I think. You know, sometimes we miss the fact that God is on display all the time, all yeah. the time. And and the thing about that is for us in our humanness, you know, we we need to figure out a way to engage with that. You you made a quote earlier that, you know, we're not attentive um, or you, you mm-hmm. um, mentioned that quote earlier. We're not always attentive to, to what God, we're the ones that are absent. You know, it's not that God is absent. And I think, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of different practices that I do. You know, maybe it's being out in nature. Maybe it's out you know, looking at the stars, maybe it's, uh, you know, I do some bird watching every once in a while. And so mm-hmm. one of the things about bird watching that I actually hate is to be really good at, at bird watching is you have to be still, you know, you have to go down into a, a wooded area. You've got to sit and you've got to wait because the birds don't respond well to a lot of activity and they're, they're fearful, right. And they won't show up. So, you know, I notice other people who are being really successful at like finding some incredibly unique species or something like that, that they're, they're looking for. And they, they're people that go and they sit and they wait for hours hmm. and they're quiet, you know, and I think that's kind of the way sometimes it is with God, you know, if we're rushing through, you know, and, and, and have no real, you know, slowness or, or quiet in our lives, then it doesn't matter if God's majestically on display, I mean, we're paying no attention. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense where we kind of have to go and posture ourselves in a way that we, we can sit and wait and be observant um, so that we can actually see what God's doing. And so you can think of other things in your life that are like that. Yeah. And it is, it is so, uh, it's hard to do and it takes, um, it's, it's, it is really countercultural. I mean, mm-hmm. I know even right now, I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you're not listening to it at 1.5 speed. Cause that's a thing that people do. Sure. I actually know a bunch of people who listen all their podcasts at one and a half speed. Cause you can get more content that way. Um, and I know people who say, well, like, I'm not gonna, I won't read a book. Reading takes too long, too much effort. I'm going to just always do audiobooks. and not that audiobooks are bad, not that podcasts are bad. Right. Um, but even, you know, I was convicted. You were mentioning three mile an hour. God, I have that book. Uh, I started reading it. What? Probably a year and a half, two years ago. And I put it back on the shelf. It was too slow. Chris couldn't, couldn't do it. Right. Like there's such, such irony there. Right. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I, I think part of this as well is it requires us to um, to look carefully at at what we are doing already and give up things. I know Comer talks a lot about, um, you know, the, the practice of living in the kingdom of God versus the practice of living in the kingdom of entertainment. Hmm. He gives the, the quotes about, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's got that famous quote that you become an expert with something after 10,000 hours. Right. Uh, and he says, the average 
male growing up today will reach the 10,000 hour mark with video games by the time they're 21. Um, right. And so, so what is it we're becoming experts in? What is it we're spending our time doing? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to say, you know, give up all video games immediately and you're a terrible person if you play them. No, not at all. But, but it does cause us to question how much, how much Netflix am I watching? How much am I doing some of these things? Um, and how much more could I practice present the presence of God and be aware of what's going on? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I, I I was just going to say, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. You know, one thing is, you know, the, our, our culture's definition of self-care, I think, mm. needs to be up for debate a little bit. You know, I think we are in a in a time because of our hurriedness and so many other things, you know, that we do need to care for ourselves, um, body, yeah. mind, and soul. But sometimes what we call self-care is actually just escapism by another name. And so, you know, it's not, it doesn't actually refuel us, you know. So, like, and I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. I mean, I, I get tired and I... I tell myself that the best way to rest and rejuvenate is just to do nothing, like to almost yeah. empty myself. So I'll just, you know, yes, binge watch a show, lie around, do nothing, sleep, you know, those kind of things. But I find that after those things have taken place, I might enjoy them at the time, but I don't actually feel rested. I don't actually feel better. And so there's a, a sense where we have to figure out, you know, what's the difference between escape escapism and actual soul care? So, um, yeah. So let me, let me give you a real quick Comer quote from this book. Um, Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude mm. is when you set aside time to feed and nourish your soul, to let it grow into healthy, into health and maturity. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. Yeah. Right? I mean, Ruth like, Ailey Barton, Ruth Ailey Barton actually says that, you know, one of the best ways to tell if you're living too quickly, like if you're too hurried, yeah. um, you know, there, she gives a list of things that you can look at. One of the things right on there is escapism. So, there's a sense where actually that thing that we think is helping us is actually just a symptom of our hurried life. And it's actually not, you know, helping us to uh, live in a way that's more rich and more full. You know, I, I, uh, I think, again, like for someone who's maybe saying this is all so much, you know, where can I start? Um, yeah. I, I would really go back to the idea of mindfulness. You know, I had a, I had a panic attack this year and, mm. um, and that was a very, um, it was a tough experience for me. Um, but talking with um, one of the counselors that I was talking with at the time was, was, you know, helping me think about some coping mechanisms that I would use if I was to experience some anxiety or, or have that happen again. And one of the things they talked about was a, a very common practice um, if you're feeling anxiety building up is to uh, look in the room that you're in and notice something that's physically there. It sounds a little silly, actually, but you would like say, OK, well, that yeah. lamp is in this room and I'm in this room okay, that, that mug is in this room and I'm in this room. And the whole idea behind the practice is because anxiety is so much about um, worry about what's happening outside of mm -hmm. the current moment that it's a way to center yourself on the present moment. Yeah. And what I found really interesting is that as I have experienced um, life since that time for these last several months, I've actually begun to use that practice as a spiritual practice of mindfulness yeah. and contemplation. So even in the most mundane moments of life, you know, if I'm driving in the car or just in the room with my kids playing around beside me or outside and I, you know, enjoying the natural world, I've started to have these moments where I'll stop and say, okay, so, you know, God is here with me right now in this moment and I'm here in this moment. And it's been a, it's been a huge shift for me 
to realize this idea that we've talked about, that God is on display and present with me. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's my upbringing, my Christian experience, something about my personality, but I think even though I've been a Christian for many, many years, I, I've always struggled with this sense that I need to pursue God's presence somehow. You know, somehow he's far away and I need to do a set of tasks or practices that, that help me to get to his presence. But the reality is God is present right now in this moment. And my, uh, my responsibility is just to position myself so I can catch a glimpse of him. Um, and that requires us unhurrying ourselves. I don't think there's any other way to go about it. I love that. And I love how, um, man, again, not that, that I'm so thankful for so much of the technology, especially during this season when it's allowing us to do church and stuff. But there's something about, there's something about this technology that removes us from time and place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God meets us in time and place, right? God is outside of it. God is actually like better than all of our technologies at, you know, having a big picture of time and place. But when we try to become people who aren't in time and place, um, when we try to hurry and do more than we're capable of, we actually kind of abuse our own humanity. Um, Yeah. Well, technology, uh, you know, most technology is designed to help us to do what's next. Yeah. You know, it's helping us to speed up, you know, get to something that's coming. You know, it's technology isn't always good at helping us to be present in the moment. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I talked about uh, Andrew Root, you know, he's got some writing around this idea of timekeepers. And he talks about how the different timekeepers over history have changed, you know, where mm-hmm. the church used to be the timekeeper. And so, you know, there was a church calendar, right? And there was, um, you know, the church bells and it was just that quiet life of, of the village and, you know, you would, you would work around those things, but now, you know, push notifications, there are timekeepers. And so yeah, know, we're driven by technology. Valley. Yeah. We're driven by technology. And so everything is about getting to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, rather than being present in this thing. We talked about that on Sunday with the example of Martha and Mary, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anything that Martha was doing was actually wrong. I think Martha was doing a lot of really good things. She was trying to serve the Messiah. You know, she was, she was, um, she was being hospitable. But yet Jesus kind of rebuked that and pointed out that Mary, who was being present in the moment, receiving the love and instruction of Jesus, was the example to be modeled. Yeah. And so I think there's something for us to learn uh, in that as well. Yeah. Well, Chris, we are uh, basically out of time, but I wanted to just touch real quick at the end of this sermon, and we could keep going, and we will over these next couple of weeks, we'll keep talking about this, what it looks like to be present and practice these practices. Um, you gave us a little challenge to make two lists, one of things uh, that we want to leave behind and one of things that we want to continue. I think I'm getting that right. But just walk us through that again and remind us what is it we're trying to do this week? Yeah, I think there's uh, uh, value in taking a few moments uh, in this week. You know, I, I'd say, you know, set aside at least 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think when we think about re-entry specifically, we want to use that as kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, this is something that we've never experienced before. Um, we're going to be heading back into this next normal. Uh, maybe think a little bit about your routines and your practices. Um, you know, what were some of the things that, you know, we were doing um, pre-pandemic um, that I'd like to leave behind? Things that maybe um, I could change or remove in order to eliminate hurry in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, make another list. Make a list of some of the things maybe that you've experienced during the pandemic. There's been a slowing during the pandemic. There's been some other silver lining things about relationships and family and, um, you know, simplifying uh, in the pandemic. Maybe, maybe make, make a list of a few of the things you'd like to stay. Um, and then I would say the most important part, though, is not making a list. The most important part 
is, you know, take five minutes to make the list, spend the next 15 minutes, you know, just offering those lists to God, um, maybe in silence and just listening and asking for his direction in terms of, you know, is there one small thing on one of these lists that I could yeah. implement in this, uh, this life that's coming, this post-pandemic life, and allow God's Holy Spirit to initiate that for us as we kind of set up some new rhythms and practices. Yeah. So good, Chris. Uh, I am... Um... I am deeply thankful uh, that you you brought us this message and thankful that you are being vulnerable with some of the things that God is teaching you in this season of your life. And I hope that we as a church can learn from them. Uh, and I'm super excited for next week, super excited to keep talking about this stuff. Uh, if you, as you've been listening to this, if you've got questions or pushback or like, I just don't know how to do this, we would love to hear from you. I know uh, Chris or myself would be glad to touch base. Um, but we'll be back next week uh, with another sermon from Chris and another Postscript episode. So we'll see you then.